It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. I know you heard my conversation there. We were talking about the uh, the Sanit shootout there, mm-hmm. those two 22-year-old twin brothers last June. Who uh, yep. it sounds like they want this sound like they wanted they wanted a shootout with police. They and, wanted to kill police officers. And that seemed evident right from the get go. I mean that's what I reported the day of the shooting. It wasn't a bank robbery, it seemed designed to, to shoot officers. And interestingly enough, the officers who were shot there are members of the emergency response team, which is comprised of Victoria and Sanich and uh Esquimal RCMP officers. And they trained right outside my door. At the legislature. Really? Uh, I'm in this in a separate building at the ledge. It's an old, ancient building. So the top three floors are security. And that's where my op- arts, my, my global studio is. So literally 10 feet from my door is their door. And it says no live ammunition past this point. They say they put that on there to make me feel safe. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, series of, there's a series of mock offices with uh, mannequins and tables and desks and things. And among other things, they practiced armed intruder takeout drills. Wow. And that's exactly the training they deployed at that bank yeah. on that day. Unfortunately, when they showed up, they were basically these two crazy kids, these young guys, started firing at their van the moment they arrived, and the bullets went in uh, through that van. <coughs> it's not an armor-resistant van. Mm. And so uh, six of them were shot in the van yeah. as, oh, and, wow. and spilled out. And they yeah. were treated on the scene by their colleagues who had just got training on how to how to treat um, g- seriously injured people, uh, colleagues, and they basically saved their lives right on the scene. So they were huddled behind the van as the bullets started flying, but there was a crazy amount of guns, of bullets flying uh, in that area. But their training, again, right outside my office, is what they've been engaged in for a couple years now, is what uh, saved the day. They, They shot the two bad guys. No hostages were hurt. Yeah, I mean that's just uh, scary stuff. It, you know, I would just praise the the courage and and training of these police officers. Well, they they run into gunfire. They don't run yeah. away from it. Yeah, you know, and yeah. they're and they train and then train training is a big part of police uh, police uh, occupations in BC, yeah. and it's encouraging and and thankful that they are trained. Yeah, for sure. I think that's well said. Okay, um, let me ask you about LNG Canada, this mm-hmm. mega project here now. Because this has now been described, this is the biggest mega project ever. Well, it's the biggest. Right? It's the biggest in private investment project in Canadian history. Canadian history, never 40, mind BC history. Forty billion dollars right. from LNG Canada. Already four billion dollars worth of contracts have already been signed. Yeah, three billion of that have gone to Indigenous businesses in the Kitimat region. Yeah, um, you got six thousand jobs currently uh, employed up there. So here's the issue. Uh, LNG Canada has got full regulatory approval for this. They've gone through the permitting process. Everything's signed off, including uh, the expansion to a second phase. Right. Now, here's the, the dilemma the NDP government finds itself in. It's got these climate uh, uh, emission targets set uh, for a number of years from now. And because the second phase of, the, of LNG Canada's project will be fueled by natural gas that could undo any hopes of achieving those emission targets because it just adds more emissions to it. So the final investment decision has not been made by LNG Canada, so we're not there yet. But if they do make a decision, yeah, we're going to go ahead with it. The NDP is going to find itself in a very interesting position. Do they okay? Are they okay with this expansion at the, if it means not reaching these greenhouse gas targets, greenhouse gas emission target reductions, which many people think are unattainable anyways? 
or uh, do they say no to it? So we asked David Eby about it yesterday, Premier David Eby. He's been asked a couple times, and he sort of doesn't really answer. He was asked point blank yesterday, let's, are you in favor of this or not? Let's listen to it. Uh, listen carefully to his answer here. Maybe you call this a non-answer. This is David Eby, this giant mega project, is it going to get built in B.C. or not? Here's what he had to say. Well, I think uh, for our province and for our economic future, uh, ensuring that we have foreign direct investment across an array of industries, including in LNG, uh, is an important part of how we're going to have a strong economy going forward. But another piece of that, obviously, is our climate targets. Uh, BC is only going to have strong and clean economic growth if we have meaningful targets around uh, climate change, which is a priority for many British Columbians. Uh, so for major project proponents, LNG Canada already was permitted by a previous government. Uh, they are going to make their final investment decision um, going forward, and, uh, and we'll watch for that. But for major project proponents, we're working with them to ensure that they uh, can come within our climate commitments, uh, and uh, LNG is no exception. What, <laughs> again, what kind of word, what, word salad was that? Exactly. So, again, on the one hand, saying, yep, foreign investment like this is very important. On the other hand, you got to make these climate change goals. So yeah. it's um, it's an interesting decision that is sort of ticking away there. Uh, we haven't got a firm answer from the. I notice he he re- referred to LNG Canada receiving permitting approval by the previous government, uh, laying it on them. Well, it did start under the Liberals, but then the NDP got religion on it too, yep. and they f- fully you know John Horgan was up out there applauding this. And- yep. So the the current LNG the phase one is is going to be done. That's that's yeah. going to be that's going to kick into action in a few years from now. It's the phase two, the right. second stage. Will will that if they give a green light to that? Where does that put the NDP government in terms of uh, approving? Well, that? what does this kind of waffling say about EB's approach here on a a project of this magnitude with this kind of money, these these many jobs on the line? This guy cannot give a straight answer on whether they will support it or not? I think he's probably going to keep this position until we get the final investment decision from LNG. The other thing people keep in mind, there's a couple of other LNG projects out there too, much smaller, but nevertheless, the similar challenge. How do you you reduce emissions when you have these big projects coming on? One of them, and they're both backed by First Nations. Heisla uh, First Nations is uh, backing the Cedar uh, LNG project. Nishka are also involved in an LNG project. Uh, project 16 first nations are signed benefit agreements with lng canada so they're in support of this as well so the other interesting element of this is the ndp government is fully committed to undrip the united nations declarations on the rights of indigenous people partnering with first nations blueberry river first nations last week's um, historic agreement to allow the continuation of oil and gas exploration and forestry on their on their ancestral lands, albeit subject to their approval and management, but still nevertheless happening. The same thing's happening with LNG. So does the NDP push back on this and at the expense of First Nations' oh. interest in rights yeah. in, in terms of in an ability to reach these somewhat you know controversial climate change um emission targets. I think this has it's the potential real, to a real challenge. to blow up into a huge political issue too. Let's yep. listen to Kevin Falcon, the liberal leader who was asked the other day about this project and here's what he had to say. We have got, you know, all kinds of uncertainty in in a lot of uh, you know major natural resource sector uh, industries. What could they be doing? Well, for example, LNG, the biggest <laughs> single investment in the history of the, this country, 
They want to actually do a phase two. Where is the government on this? Yeah, so he's <laughs> saying, like, let's let's go. Let's get going. I think, I think Falcon will continue to push this issue. He sees an opening here. Obviously, LNG began on the Liberals' watch, so the these Liberals are fully in favor sure. of this project, understandably, and they're in favor of other resource projects. I think the Liberals, uh, or BC United, eventually as it'll be called, will push this issue because they know it makes the NDP uncomfortable. Um, did you see uh, on another topic completely, Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the National Hockey League, he was asked yesterday whether some teams uh, do go into the tank, as it's called, tanking. Mm -hmm. In other words, basically losing on purpose. To get the first round pick. Yeah, to improve their chances of getting the first pick in the lottery, the draft pick, the draft lottery, especially with this young kid, Connor, mm -hmm. uh, Connor Bedard, is this superstar in the making here. A lot of teams want him. And I, I do think that kind of stuff does go on. I think there's tanking that goes on. So here is, uh, here's Bettman, the NHL commissioner on that yesterday. He's asked if he's concerned about teams like basically throwing games. Here's what he had to say. You're not going to lose games to increase your odds by a couple of percentage points. That's silly. And frankly, suggesting tanking, I believe, uh, is inconsistent with the professionalism that our players and our coaches have. Nobody tanks. Our players and our coaches do their best to win. Well, I yeah, don't know. I you know, know. The, the players and the coaches are probably are trying to win, but it's he didn't mention like the managers of the team who may trade away some of their best. Well, players one of the on more first. artful ways to land the first round pick was the Montreal Canadiens. How they got Guy Lafleur. Yeah. So they didn't tank. What they did is they traded a couple of their best, pl well, not the best players, but really good players, to teams that were just slightly above. The team, the Oakland Seals back then, were, who were in line to get the first round pick, and they owned the Seals' first round draft pick from an earlier trade a few years ago. Oh. So they wanted the Seals to finish last, and ensuring that they traded players to the Los Angeles Kings, and I think another. This is back in the old six expansion to ensure the Kings and the other teams would win more games. Traded Ralph Backstrom, who was a solid, uh, solid forward to the Kings, to ensure that they would win enough games more than the Oakland Seals. So rather than tanking. They ensured other teams did better than the Seals in order that they would land that first you're, round pick. You're going way back into ancient history. It was 1970. Wow. It's a fascinating wow. part of NHL history. Sammy Pollock, the Canadian's general manager, was the craftiest guy. He would look down the road. He had his eye on Lafleur for years, yeah. and he figured the Oakland Seals would be the worst team. I'm going to get their first-round pick. And he traded a couple players to them, got their first-round pick, and then ensured that they finished last by making other teams better. Phone lines are open. Baldry's Beat, 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Let's go right to your calls. Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Hi, good morning, guys. Yeah, yeah, that answer by Mr. Eby, you hit the nail on the head, Mike. You know, can he just give a straight answer? That was just baffle gap. Total, yeah. total sitting on the fence. Does he understand the jobs at stake, the billions of investment that are going to come into our province? And LNG, what, what? So, okay, so they're going to uh, use uh, natural gas to fire that. So what? It's clean burning. Uh, he's, the guy's got to get on board with this whole situation mm -hmm. here, I believe, and, and the investment it's going to bring to our province. So, But obviously he's trying to appease to the, uh, to the Greens, I guess, eh? the left-leaning side mm -hmm. of our political yeah, sure. spectrum. Yep. Thank you, well, guys. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Um, again, the project, phase one's going ahead. It's, right. we're, what we're talking about is the, the second stage, phase two. That hasn't been decided upon. Um, one solution to this potentially is to get BC Hydro to build a transmission line to send electricity, enough electricity to 
uh, power to, to run the turbines. To, 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 exactly. Yeah. Right now, they're slated to be run on natural gas. Right, because will... there are no transmission lines Exactly. There. It's going to be It's a hugely expensive project, probably around a billion dollars. Yeah. But hydro spends hundreds of millions of dollars every year anyways yeah. on uh, either building transmission lines or just upgrading its existing infrastructure. It's a massively a huge company with transmission lines and everything that goes into the grid right around the province. But the northwest sector and the northeast sectors aren't really well-serviced when it comes to massive industrial development tied to electricity. And it hasn't been ruled out that hydro could start to fast-track the, no. the, the building of a transmission line to electrify the project. It's a crown corporation. Yeah. There can be a director from the government say, get building this thing yeah. down the road. It may be the fact that uh, maybe the first couple of years, if this thing goes ahead, are uh, powered by natural gas. In likelihood, that would be the case. It's going to take but, some time to build a transmission. But line. the thing is, that the, the thing that I find troubling about EB here is that this project is already fully approved, yeah. including the second phase. Mm-hmm. It's received environmental approval by, I, the, by I this. Know, by the, it's been approved by this government, and I, right? The, the initial permitting was, as EB pointed out, was by the previous government. Okay, and I wondered. That's the first time he made that distinction. And is he now so suggesting he's he's that was pull the permit? Not sure exactly what to read into that. I don't think he would. I think this is such a huge uh, project. The NDP would be, you know, cutting his throat to say no to something like this. But again, we're talking about the expansion of an existing project. The other thing, too. It's far from clear whether or not it would have its approval. Right. The other thing, too, is the company is saying, like, well, look, there's no transmission line to power this thing by electricity. So what we could do is start it up under natural gas. Yep. Okay. So we build this second phase. We initially start running it by burning natural gas to power it. And then as the electricity comes on later, then you can transition to yeah. electric. So, you know, that's what they're is saying. that the compromise? Yeah, I think that's what that, that seems to be what the CEO suggested a couple yeah. of weeks ago. That, that yeah. It would begin initially with natural gas and then the expectation. Right. If there's electricity available, switch to electricity. But we're a few years away from that. Let's go to Frank and Pitt Meadows on the open line. Hi, Frank. Go ahead. Uh, hi. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, about that tanking in sports. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes, like you were I remember the back in the day when Sam Pollock manipulated things for to get LaFleur. And, <laughs> I, you know, I'm dating myself, but I actually saw Guy LaFleur play in his rookie year against the Vancouver Canucks. Mm, I wow. Felt, uh, With um, his helmet on. Yeah. Yeah, so do you, think, do you think this tanking goes on or not? I don't. I think the athletes are too proud to to just throw a game. Oh yeah. Well, there was like this year in the NFL, all Houston had to do was lose their last game, and they would have got the first overall pick. Yeah. And the coach, the coach went for a two point conversion with no time left, and they lost the first overall pick, which would would have been a consensus, Bryce Young for them. But uh, interesting. You know, yeah, there was one theory that 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 coach knew he was going to get fired. Anyways, so he thought, let's stick it to the team that's about to fire me by going for two points and losing their first-round pick. You see, the thing is, I thought Gary Bettman gave a kind of a very artful answer there because he said the players and the coaches are not throwing games. He didn't mention anything about management. Like, management, if you trade away your superstars, isn't that tanking? That's exactly, and that's the traditional way of doing things in the NHL is trades and sitting people. 